<clears throat> Excuse me, hello, are you Jessica Leary of Sadie Hawkins Pod? Um, yes. Well, it's nice to meet you. My name is Montgomery Bean. I'm the president of the Podbean website where you host your show. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Bean. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't like, uh, there's a moratorium for Podbean employees about making Mr. Bean jokes at me. And as one of our affiliates, that extends to you. Oh, apologies, sir. I take that very seriously. (laughs) Well, I was here to congratulate you and award you this certificate. You won an exclusive award on the Podbean platform. Oh, wow. Yes, your show has been awarded last place among all podcasts on the Podbean network. Uh, Oh, okay. And it's also been awarded least interesting... Which is quite a feat. You should see some of the crap we have there on Podbean. Oh. Well, I mean, not completely unexpected, but, I mean, at least our content isn't lost. Well, that's the next thing I needed to let you know about. Oh, man. Damn, that was my idea. What do you have? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello. What's it? We got we got this award sitting on the table, Jessica. What happened? Uh, it's just a bit. Forget Absolutely it. not. I'm not going into it. <laughs> so welcome back. A rainy day here in Los Angeles. A rare rainy day. Yeah. Yeah. How you feeling about the rain? Uh, it's nice. I wish it was a little more rainy. It's just like an acidic drizzle so not not too not not as lovely as i'd like it to be well it was nice walking the dog because i didn't have to feel like i was frying oh sure it is nice and cool that's true and april has no limits for the heat like she doesn't understand she'll go out in the hottest weather and be like yep let's go let's walk and then she'll walk and walk and walk and walk and she'll be like oh it's hot and then just plop she'll just like sit yep. where she's like she'll great lay now we're down four miles and be like, from nope, the house done. i'm done i'm not going any further and then you have to carry her back <laughs> so let's see um every time we record on a wednesday morning there's someone doing yard work i guess wednesday ever since we switched to recording <laughs> wednesday morning before releasing that night there's always someone out there with a leaf blower or well, something. Well, we just got to get better. Maybe we got to go back to Tuesdays yeah. or Mondays or Sundays. For sure. When we started this podcast, we used to record on Sundays. Then we started recording on Mondays. Then we started recording on Tuesdays. That's just kind of one of the drawbacks of doing a podcast with your spouse, is you can be like, eh, eh. There's no one really there to hold you accountable. Except for you, the listeners. Yeah. You so listeners, get on us. you need to get on us and be like, what's going on? One star. Oh, no. <laughs> well, apparently, according to Mr. Bean, that that's where we're already at anyway. <laughs> well, Mr. Bean, like the, the British comedian? No, 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 no. This is like the owner of Podbean. He doesn't like those kind of jokes. The owner of Podbean came by? Yeah, yeah. You were in the bathroom, I think. <sighs> oh, I always miss everybody. Yeah. Sorry. So do we have any voicemails? Yes, because I was trying to think... <laughs> I know we have voicemails. (laughs) We definitely have voicemails. And I was just trying to think if there's anything else to mention at the top of the show from last week. I don't think so. So here are some voicemails. And since we have so many voicemails going back this week, we have to start with the last, which is, this is from Daniel back in April. 
Oh, wow. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Daniel. Just uh, taking a break in between leaving voicemails for uh, MagPod. Uh, I thought I'd give you one, but... Uh... That's it. We're not playing this one. <laughs> Get him off the show. <laughs> Get Daniel off the show? Yep. Get his voicemail off the show. <laughs> I should have left... If I'd known this would be your reaction, I would have left this one lost. <laughs> I'll make it short so I can get back to sending them more voicemails. But anyway, uh, just had some notes on the first uh, Be My Escape episode. The old Jay Leno thing, kind of fun to point out. It's like a fun trivia thing that uh, the town I'm from, McPherson, Kansas, uh, there's a college there, McPherson College, that has a auto restoration program that's like one of the only ones like it in the country. And uh, Jay Leno, I guess, has donated a bunch of money or something to it. So he kind of has a connection to my hometown. but. Team Coco for life, honestly. Jay Leno sucks. <laughs> the thing about that guy losing his virginity to be my escape, that's super weird, but I do remember, like, something that lives rest free in my head is um, this Good Charlotte quote. I don't remember which band member it was. It's probably Benji, but him saying something back in the day about, like, even when he was old, he still wants to, like, be having sex to MXBX with his wife or something like that. I don't know. Kind of weird. Can't really imagine doing that myself uh, with those bands. Just, they don't occupy that space in my mind to me. But <laughs> well, I, well, if you're talking about Mike Carrera, I can certainly imagine doing that sort of thing with those bands. When he brought up Benji Madden, I thought he was going to bring up a thing. So I had a friend in high school who was like, she was super into like Good Charlotte and, and all those kind of bands. And she was in love with Benji from Good Charlotte until she read an article where he said that like he needed to install a revolving door in his bedroom because of all the girls he had in and out of there. And I thought that's where Daniel was going and then it wasn't at all. <laughs> so but it just, just reminded me of that story. So if no one heard our Be My Escape episodes, Jessica did have a story about a friend who met, who she was talking to or an acquaintance. And she was like, oh, have you heard of Relying K? And, he's, and he was like, yeah, I lost my virginity to Be My Escape. Yep. I was just giving him a ride a ride home from class and uh Better just be a ride home from class. I don't want you anywhere near this guy. <laughs> this horn dog. And, and I had Reliant K playing in my car. He's like, who is this? And I was like, Reliant K. And he's like, oh, I lost my virginity to be my escape. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't want to keep shame anybody. And then uh, on the actual music of be My Escape and Who I Am, Hate to Have Been, I feel like both the main riffs to those songs are, like, pretty not typical of the match. Um, I can't really think of any other, like, uh, kind of pedal point riffs that they have, like the, um, the Who I Am, Hate to Have Been riffs, and then I also can't really think of any of just, like, kind of, like, chord-based, really strummy riffs that they have, unless it's, like, moving power chords around, like the be my escape risk but both of them just feel kind of like not out of place really but um they're just very different for uh for Lanka's typical style if you listen to most of the riffs that are like kind of their signature they're just not like that but and then the last note i have here is something about twilight but i don't really remember what it was at this point so uh probably just the embarrassing fact that i've read those books through twice back in the day I mean, who of us hasn't, Daniel? He's only got 20 (laughs) seconds here to explain why. Let's find out why. 
on our anniversary trip last year where oh you could which you can watch our our um our mountaintop video too over oh, yeah. on youtube somewhere uh-huh. there happened to be we rented an airbnb and they happened to have a twilight a board twilight game, board game. game and so that like on our night of our anniversary we went out to our nice dinner and then came <laughs> back and i was like danny we're totally playing this and so we pulled it up and it was like a trivia and stuff and danny didn't know any of the answers and i was embarrassed at how many answers i knew it was entirely too much and unlike everyone else who lost their virginity to uh songs i lost my virginity to that board game that night what? <laughs> Just because it was our 10th anniversary? That's weird. I had a big crush on a girl who was into him, so yeah, uh, don't recommend <laughs> if you haven't read them. Um, Alright, well, I'll keep this short so I can get back to uh, you know, just leaving voicemail for all my other favorite podcasts. Uh, take care, guys. Too late. <laughs> I'll keep this short as he's approaching three minutes. Um, so yeah, then let's go to, so thank you very much for calling. I think we've all read a book or gotten into a band or something for a girl, right? Have you, have you ever gotten into something for a girl? (laughs) Oh yeah. All the time. So then here's the least. We'll play that one. This is the shortest voicemail we've ever missed. I tried to get into SpongeBob and corn because of my first boyfriend (laughs) for him and I, it didn't work out. There, I've never even thought of corn and SpongeBob in the same sort of thing. I watched the Woodstock '99 movie, and like corn was a part of that, and I kind of forget like SpongeBob was around back then too in 1999. Sure. Yeah. Was he? I don't know. I thought it was more of like a, a yeah, 2000, SpongeBob started, 2001. SpongeBob thing? started in like '98 or '99 or oh, something. Oh wow. Yeah. I was just super over cartoons by then, so I wasn't watching. <laughs> so this one is from Trinity. Hi, Dan and Jess. This is Trinity, or Tricycle, on Twitter. In episode 102 that I just listened to, you requested covers of Lindy's 100th episode and congrats. So thought I'd give some of those to you. Here goes. 100 episodes! Yeah! Congrats! <laughs> Okay, that's it. Lindy, if you're listening, you have a beautiful voice. Uh, and Dan and Jess, thanks for your podcast. It, it's amazing. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's nice. Oh, thank you. I wish we had played this sooner. Yeah, um, this goes back to June. So let's hear from Lindy from a while back. This is from the two days later. This is Lindy calling. And so many voicemails. <laughs> I don't. Th- so this, this, and now this counts as the lost because here's yet another Lindy voicemail that we've never played before. This one from June 29th. Hey guys, it's Lindy. Um, I have to do my like weekly phone calls, but apparently I am calling you guys pretty much every week. So today I am listening to episode 54, My Way or the Highway, and I just thought it was kind of funny. So I wanted to, to tell you a little story about this song. When I first got the album, it was actually um, back when LimeWire was really popular. It was like how we got all of our music back in the, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s. I can't even remember. 
Are you trying to say that you were burning those MP3s <laughs> onto stacks of blank CDs, Lindy? Oh, and she, I bet she somehow got the, that song for free. And I'm not sure if it bothers me, but it's fine as long as she was having a good time. I just made that up. That's pretty good, right? Right, that's great. Down. Yeah. But um, it wasn't a legit album. It was not a real CD or anything. And so for a couple of years, I thought that this song ended with, should I end this song off? And then that's it. Like, just cuts off. I never knew for like probably a few years that he actually ends the song by saying, with a question. Like, I had not. <laughs> anyway. So I thought that was kind of silly. And I was also listening to, oh, about that. Because it's not on the radio, or it wasn't on the radio. That's, like, it never was played besides on this, this CD that was very badly burned for me. And also I was listening to Marilyn Manson, my girlfriend, the previous episode. And I actually... Um, hated that song because my real name is Marilyn and everybody in my middle school makes fun of me for it. So when that song came out, I was like despising it just because it talks about Marilyn Manson and everybody always compared me to Marilyn Manson by name alone. That's it. No other similarities. Anyway, so I guess I will catch you guys on the Liberty Club. Bye! And that is why you pay for music. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad about Although the, I didn't the, pay for it either. I feel bad about the, the Marilyn Manson thing. That's like a bummer. Right. Um, I always hated Mambo Number no. 5 by <laughs> oh, yeah. Because when I Jessica's was in middle mother. school, that song was popular. <laughs> uh, hey, Jessica, your uh, boyfriend's uh, the Mambo Number no. 5. Uh, exactly. Baker and Jessica's sitting in the tree. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of teasing for that one if you happen to have your name in that particular song at that time. So I feel you. Well, as for LimeWire, because I'm older, I was on Napster when it was brand new, right? Like I was, I had Napster when it was happening, when Metallica, Lars Ulrich were suing it and all of that stuff. And eventually Napster gets taken down. And they go off and they become a pay-for-music service, right? And then LimeWire and uh, whatever the other ones are, they come around to sort of t- fill the gap for Napster. And I got LimeWire to replace Napster. But Napster was great because whatever its arch- architecture was, it, it like allowed to like prevent a lot of like spam and viruses. But I was noticing right away with LimeWire how much virus and scams and spam there were on LimeWire. So I almost immediately got rid of LimeWire and didn't use it. And that's when I learned about FTPing. And I think I've talked about this in a past episode, but it was a thing where it was a much more grassroots, like you had to create an FTP site out of your computer and you actually trade files directly to someone else's computer. And it was actually in its way safer because you're only going one-to-one with, like, communication of people, which sounds more dangerous, but then, like, they'd upload a file to your computer, and you could scan it before you play it, 
and it's not like they had access to your whole computer. You would just say your FTP site is this one folder on your computer where people upload files and then they download the other files. And I had like perfect organization. I had folders for the names of the genres. Here's my ska folder. Here's my punk folder. Here's my emo folder. You go in there and there's the band names and full albums and all that stuff. So forget LimeWire for no other reason than it besmirch Weird Al's name. <laughs> so there were some older ones. Now let's double check because so we don't get buried even further. Let's quickly go through the most recent voicemails. All right. So here is Daniel calling this from this week. So guys, it's Daniel. Lots of stuff on this one because it's a song from Anatomy, which... Obviously, I always have lots of stuff for those songs. Or maybe I don't. I don't actually know. Anyway, today is Matt Tisa's birthday. So good timing on that because uh, this is one of uh, the riffs that I was talking about from uh, Forward Motion is the not the not the bass riff that starts the song, but the like the the high guitar part, the one that like between like after the first chorus. It's just like by itself with all the static. I was kind of laughing while you guys were like, hmm, does he mean this bass riff or this riff that we're going to spend five minutes talking about the static and how it sounds over that? That was, that was funny to me. But for real, Matt Jason is a freak on guitar because those riffs, I, I kind of wish he still played guitar more because like he plays that all with his thumb. I don't know. I don't understand how he does it. Even with a pick, I can't play that that fast or that cleanly. I don't understand how he does it with his thumb. It's insane to me. Some other things, uh, I don't really understand the hardcore thing you guys keep bringing up. To me, the song kind of sounds like uh, The Kids Aren't Alright by The Offspring. Not in a bad way. That song's not bad. Well, that's the song that ended the Woodstock 99 documentary, so there you go. Um, I don't really know what I mean by the hardcore thing. I just mean, like, it just vaguely reminds me of Reliant... Certain songs just vaguely remind me of Reliant K trying to do, like, a post-hardcore Fugazi-esque Blink-182-2003 sort of thing. Just, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're not doing that song this week, so I don't (laughs) care. Um, But to me, it's more just, like, a minor key, like, pop-punk or skate-punk song from, like, the 90s and early 2000s i don't quite see where you're going with the hardcore thing um but you know more music than me um like more different kinds of music uh yeah anyway um i had freebird written down for some reason uh oh yeah because uh the, the freebird solo the epic solo allegedly was played on a gibson firebird um, which is the same kind of guitar that Atisma was playing around this time. Uh, it's the one you can see in the Marilyn Manson and the Pressing On music videos. And I believe he's also playing it at the Cornerstone of 3. I don't know what happened to that guitar. It's an awesome guitar. Um, I wish he still played that because it's badass. A couple other random things. If there was a third installment of the Failure series, it should be called Failure, but those, the E in Failure should be turned around and should be a 3. And then uh, you guys keep saying that this was 2002. Maybe it was just Danny that was saying that. Uh, but I feel like it's kind of important that this was actually 2001 because, you know, the the meaning of this song, it doesn't change it a ton, but, like, the overall, I guess, kind of flavor that the 
their more political kind of things take on is probably have probably has a lot to do with it being pre nine eleven and pre Iraq war and all that. Um or even not Iraq war I guess but like invading Afghanistan. You know, not that they knew a whole lot about politics anyway around this time, but I'm just saying like I I don't think they would have included like the line about like president to fall again, you know, from maybe it's Maybelline if this had come out uh post nine eleven. I I think you know, who knows what they would have said, but I think it's important to note that this is pre nine eleven album. Anyway, have a good one. So yeah, that's a really good point. I never, I do think of that sometimes, the fact that Anatomy is pre-9-11. And I guess if I was saying 2002, I was probably just uh, doing bad backwards math, thinking Two Lefts came out in 2003. So then I'm confused and I just deduct a year. But it's actually, I guess there were two years between Anatomy and Two Lefts. But um, yeah, that's a really good point. I kind of forget about that. So, I, and it's come up. It's come up a couple of times of people assuming certain things or asking on song meetings if certain things are about George W. Bush back then at the time. Right. But yeah, this is a really good point. That anatomy, like the answer is just has to be no, right? Because it's before nine eleven. And yeah, people weren't happy with Bush. And then there's you know the the idea that he stole the election from from Al Gore or whatever, but, like, the criticisms, the have the specific criticisms, especially the ones that we remember today, all come from a post-9-11 world. Like, I didn't really think about George Bush, and, I don't know, they're, like, two years older than me, and so when George Bush was elected, I was like, well, the election's over, it was, <laughs> like, waiting for the, all the recounts and stuff took forever, but once the election was over, I didn't think about George Bush again until 9-11. I personally, as a high school student, like I didn't, it didn't matter in my life. So I don't know to them being like, what would they have been like just out of high school themselves if they really thought that heavily about George Bush from between 2000 and September 11th, right. 2001. That was something that came up and I just kind of skipped over it in, I can't remember if it was the Reddit or the song meetings, but there were comments about it being a post bush jr world and then other commenters being like yeah but this is from you know 2001 when george bush was in office so like it it negated whatever the comment was i don't really remember and that's why i kind of skipped over it at the time okay so this is our big catch-up voicemail episode because it's the last the lost the least and all these voicemails have been behind, so we got two more. This is one more oh, wow. from Trinity. It's only a minute. Hi, guys. This is Trinity, or Tricycle, and on Twitter. I was just listening to episode 108, just the intro uh, so far, and you're talking about things that you have seen and thought they were something else, not realizing what they were until years later. I grew up in Wyoming. And the University of Wyoming logo is a cowboy riding a horse. But growing up, I always just thought it was a horse. I didn't see the cowboy, and I didn't see that it was more like a bucking bronco. So I thought the cowboy was some sort of cartoonish, deformed head of the horse, and the rest of the horse's body was the horse's body. And maybe the head of the horse was a leg or something. 
But I just thought that was funny, and you guys made me think of it, so I wanted to share. I hope you guys are having a great day. Bye. (laughs) So here's that logo. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) And I can almost kind of, yeah, because, like, the leg of the bucking bronco. It's an interesting choice for a logo. Yeah. But the leg of of the bronco is also parallel to the cowboy on top. So that's kind of a weird perspective. Very strange. And the, yeah. The, the, yeah. And like the butt of the horse is all the way up. So I can see how if you look it's at that really so quick, yeehaw. it's like, what am I it's looking at? It's all the yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming is so beautiful, though. I went there on a middle school trip and like we went through, um, what is that? I think it's Yellowstone. Like, and we went through like different areas around there. And we took one of the last snowmobile trips that they allowed through Yellowstone because we went in the winter and that was really cool. Sweet. Well, let's see what this last voicemail is about. It's 55 seconds. I don't. I can't tell from the Google Translate who's calling. So let's see. Fuck yeah, Danny. Uh, yeah, I'm listening, listening to the failure to excommunicate episode. And just got through, I don't know, there could be more tirades later, but Danny's tirade on the whole coffee pasta thing. Hell yeah. Fun. I love it when you're getting fired up about stuff. I'm getting fired up listening to you. Um, and I'm sure... <laughs> you getting fired up about it will cause some controversy and people will freak out. But I just hope that I just wanted to encourage you and be like, yeah, try to counteract the things that I'm sure will come of that. Um, yeah, this is fun. You should make another show where Danny just yells about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. I don't know if we can oh, make... <laughs> <laughs> that was Connor. I don't think if we could make a whole show about me getting upset about things. My really life is Danny stuff. yelling about stuff every day. That's not true. <laughs> not every day. Not every day. <laughs> no, Danny's That's pretty zen hyperbole. except when he isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, so this kind of ties in perfectly so we can now get into the song this week. When it comes to um, any takes I have on faith or the things I do and don't believe or that you do or don't believe, like, we don't really get a lot of negative feedback, which is not to say, like, I do or don't want it or expect it or whatever. But I have seen in the past how, like, someone will pop in on Twitter and be like, yay, Reliant K podcast, so excited, going to start listening. And then, like, you never hear from them again. And then maybe you notice that they unfollowed. So it's like, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, we've said it before. We aren't, we don't know music and we aren't theologians. (laughs) We're just here talking about, we're just, we just have conversations with jumping off points about these songs and what we like and what we don't like about them. And we've got Daniel to help us fill in with the musicality side of it. We don't really have anyone specifically to help us fill in with the theology part of it which I would love to hear anyone who wants to call up and debate anything. Um, it is difficult for me because I sort of take this stance of like, like, absolutely I could be more knowledgeable in my faith, right? I could, we could all be more knowledgeable in lots of stuff. But I just have always felt like I... You know, when you go to church and if there's hundreds of people at the church or you go see a mega church and there's tens of thousands of people there or you go to a Christian festival 
and there's thousands of people there like to think that everybody understands everything about their faith all the time evenly like it's impossible and i just i've not i've never I, there have been times in my life where i was more interested in learning stuff about my faith and christianity and understanding christ more and understanding god more and i have picked up things and i still have certain lessons and certain ideas in my head but as time has gone on and like and you know the other thing for me is that i was i went to i went to so many denominations and really it kind of ties very it hopefully ties to this song this week my parents were catholic their whole lives and then they just kind of they weren't didn't want to be catholic anymore and they went to some sort of protestant church i actually don't know what the first denomination my parents took me to when i was like two years old when when they just got saved but then from there i bounced around to a lot of different denominations and i guess growing up in the northeast where it's like less bible belt stuff and people don't ask you what church do you go to and you're not expected to be a part of a specific church or community you know i just went to so many different denominations that i immediately started seeing like this thing of like the you know christians don't agree with each other you know what i mean and like my parents always used to talk to me about how my parents would instill in me that tattoos are sin. <laughs> tattoos are sin. And then I start going to Christian concerts and they've all got tattoos. And there's like actually like Christian tattoo artists at Soul Fest. And I'm like, oh, all these things that I'm told are sin. That's just the opinion of one denomination or one group over the other. So that's where the cracks in like my personal theology start to appear. And then I'm just like, but I still, and I, I don't know if I've ever fully said this on the podcast, and we go back and forth with things all the time, and I probably give people little impressions here and little impressions there, but I do still believe in Christ, but I just now completely struggle with the idea of believing in any church. Like, I just don't believe in any church, you know what I mean? And there's just, I just, I just can't, I just don't know. I just feel like every church wants something from you, or they want you to hate something <laughs> everybody has their own agenda yeah. yeah so it's hard for me to trust people no matter how in tune they might feel with christ and how much of a leader they may seem like it's hard for me to trust any church and uh there's so many viewpoints in the world and there's so many denominations and uh i just you know like i start to and I, we've hinted at this as well but i start to like sort of lean towards like universalism and like everyone is saved and no matter what you believe and stuff but i don't even really know if that's fully what i believe because just like that just makes the most sense to me and i don't have a church really that i believe in or go to or leaders that i listen to um and this is all kind of brought up in my mind now because this song this week we're talking about the le the last the lost the least and this song was written by john warren it's from bird and the b-sides it's in with the handful of songs from the Nashville Tennis EP that were written and sung by all the other members of the band at the time. And John Warren apparently was inspired to write this song by a book that he had read called A New Kind of Christian or A New Kind of Christianity. I need to double check exactly what that title is. But it was written by Brian McLaren. And I was like, well, I should do some research on this book. Like, I'm not, there's no way I have time to read the book and or get to the passage that he might be, that Warren was specifically referencing in it. But I did watch this entire one hour, hour and a half, 2012 
a speech that he gave a um a sermon yeah a sermon but it was like a like a conference sort of thing that brian mclaren gave at saint paul's cathedral to sort of get a sense of of brian mclaren's ideas and i was like i was like yeah everything he's saying makes a lot of sense to me because he was basically talking about how like you know science continues to grow right that he said so much stuff i should have taken notes and i didn't (laughs) but he said so he says something like you know science always grows like science during neutronian times is completely different than science now and we still have elements of science from then and then einstein has theories and some of those are still have basis in truth but we we, the science corrects some of his theories and science is constantly growing and expanding our understanding but then christianity just doesn't like grow in that same way right and like christianity needs to grow and it's really like and maybe this comes back to some of the stuff i was saying like is this the church's faults i don't know like because they they want you to believe and continue to believe things that like don't work in the world today and then brian mclaren had interesting stuff to say about how like some of the beliefs there they come from like the times of like dealing with the the politics specifically of the time and like for hebrews and for romans and like that's their understanding but then like our judicial our judicial system completely changes and our political systems completely change and then we start to like pretend that that all still applies to the bible exactly as it was but it doesn't because those are literally written the bible is written in a time where our politics and our systems of government worked completely different and we don't change our thinking in christianity to now adapt that understanding of what the Bible was saying to our understanding of the way justice works now and the way like social justice works and stuff like that. So I was all for it. And I'm like, maybe I should start learning more about my faith again. I don't know. Or maybe I should just tirade every week <laughs> and say how I'm <laughs> sick of being fed what I should hate by different churches. And then uh, Connor will call up and be like, yeah, make a show out of this. <laughs> So taking a step back, properly uh, sort of setting up talking about the song, I realized we picked two weeks of songs that are basically on like a justice within Christianity theme sung by different members of the band. Coincidentally, last week we did Failure Text Communicate, which is written by Thiessen, but sung at least half or more by Dave Douglas. And then this week we have this song written and sung by John Warren, where Thiessen comes in just to sing like the bridge part, right? And they both have to do with these ideas of like, I, you know, ideas of social justice within the framework of Christianity. And last week, by the way, I said, I thought of this in the edit. I said like how, uh, Failure to Excommunicate is like the most SJW Relying K song. And it's like, I hope everyone knows I'm not saying SJW is a slur. I'm like jokingly calling it that because I b- believe in social justice. Like I, I'm i using Absolutely. that in the reclaimed form of like, you know what? And SJW, right? Like what that's like, cre- that phrase is like created by people who hate social justice. Like, hey, you're just a social, what are you, a social justice warrior? Yeah, but it's fully embraced But now. it's fully it's like, embraced. Yeah, I am. <laughs> it's like the worst <laughs> insult because it's like, yeah, that's what I am. That's exactly what I am. I'm a warrior for self, social justice. So 
last week the song is kind of about kind of about like there's injustice in the world and you can come to Christ and find justice and understanding and salvation through him when these uh, institutions like a bad like a like a bad judge or a bad school kind of like set you back and hurt your spirit and hurt your heart and like make you feel like crap. <laughs> we talked so much about school last week uh, that you can turn to Christ. And now this song is kind of like saying, well, you're, you're, unless I'm mistaken, you're in your faith and you need to reach out and be just for other people, right? Like that's the sense that I get. Like this is a song about reaching out and yeah yeah i don't completely know what this song is about but i think it's about having compassion like god does for all even the last the lost the least of us yeah and because that phrase the last the lost the least brings to mind people who have been subjects of injustice right you're lost you're the last and you're the least like you're the world sees you, it's tied so perfectly last week, like the world has cast you aside. The world sees you as garbage. And so there should be this love and compassion to give to those people and to help them find that justice. So I, I contacted John Warren directly for the first time. And like in the past, we've had like random tweets here and there that he's been tagged in or seen or whatever. But I DM'd him to ask some questions about the song. And I think it was actually from our John John Schneck interview that in researching that, I listened to three other podcasts that, that Schneck had done. And I learned from those that John Warren doesn't do podcasts. Right. <laughs> so I've always had that information. And I was like, but when I DM'd him, I still like just left the door open. <laughs> <laughs> But then it was like, I understand if you don't want to be on the show. Uh, So he just, so he was like super gracious with giving some information about the song. That's amazing. And so to confirm, it's the Brian McLaren's New Kind of Christian. It was a trilogy of books that he, I'm extrapolating now, that he had about how Christianity needs to grow and expand. Um, It's, and John said, it's been more than a decade, so I don't remember which specific passage Uh, This was about, but the gist of it I tried to get across in the song is how we all have dignity no matter our past, present, or future stations in life. And, uh, yeah, that's a core point of the song as well, is actually we all have dignity. Like, right, that's the lyric, Mm -hmm. is we all have dignity. And sometimes, if yeah, maybe some of us feel like we have more dignity than others, but that's bullshit, right? Yeah. That's um, that's always a lyric that I could never properly suss out, which was we all we all wear dignity. So I'd sing we are we are we're demons, right. which super appropriate. Right. <laughs> I can I think I always thought it was we all we all have dignity, but it's we all we all wear dignity. But the wear and we have it's kind of sounded one and the same. And I think the lyric both lyrics essentially mean the exact same thing. It's not like it dramatically changes. It's not like cemetery and cemetery. Right. It's not like how that dramatically changed our perception yeah. of the lining of silver. I'm still salty about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this song also kind of goes along with that um, Bird in the B-Sides, well, Nashville, Tennessee P thing that I've talked about in the past, where 
this Nashville, Tennessee EP is lyrically one of the most abstract albums, right? At least from the, it, from the point of view of the songs that Tyson has written on this album. Like when we did Where Do I Go From Here, which was our fifth or sixth episode, like I had no idea what that song was about. I'm like, clearly it's about a problem, but I'm like, I, have, I can't get any traction on what's going on in this song. Yeah, you were, you were struggling. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like a lot of Nashville Tennis EP, with obvious exceptions, like uh burden like uh be your man right or will i'll always be your best friend or even no reaction like those are clearly you understand what those songs are about but so many songs on nashville tennis have a slight abstraction where the answer might be there it might be clear but not you calling out all some... the other members of reliant k except <laughs> warren and teeson danny well that's what i'm saying <laughs> and i think we talked about this when we did our ace troubleshooter patreon episode but i would like to have heard more lyrics written by Warren because I think he has like Tyson and he have this quality that is very similar. Just like how last week I said how Dave Douglas and Tyson have a vocal quality that felt like one in the same to me. Right. As if like you like Peter Gabriel and you like Phil Collins (laughs) and they kind of can, you can be a fan of both. Yeah. I feel like this is again, something similar where I feel like Warren's lyrical, his poetic abilities are very similar in a way to Tyson. And we only got those, we only really only got those three Ace Troubleshooter albums, which have amazing poetry on them. And then we get this one extra song in 2009 it's like or 2008 it's like i wish we got more i wish warren had had an opportunity to write more songs like this and it's this feels like the most reliant k song written by another member of the band because no reaction and be your man are both not like reliant k songs like they're goofy and they're fun and reliant k songs have been goofy and fun but just the fact that there's reggae and no reaction, like, I don't feel like that's a very Ethan Luck thing. Like, it feels very genuine reggae breakdown in there. And the sort of goofy country jokiness. Like, yeah, Tyson could write a song like that, but it just feels so whatever. But this feels like the most Reliant K song written by another member of the band. Even uh, You'll Always Be My Best Friend. It does have very Reliant K quality. I'm not sure what I'm saying, but that reminds me of one other thing before we get to your note, is that I asked... Warren, another thing I asked him about was, you know, Schneck had told us that the assignment for the rest of the band was go write a one minute joke song. Everyone will write a one minute funny or joke or novelty song and we'll put them on the album to flesh out the album. And how Schneck goes and he follows the assignment, he writes a goofy (laughs) song. Yeah. And then and then Hoops and Warren show up with these like totally sincere, amazing songs. And Ethan kind of follows with what's essentially like a novelty fun song, but it's not really a joke joke. And then Schneck kind of says like, and I guess I just sealed the deal that no one but Tyson and Hoops would ever write another Reliant K song. (laughs) So I asked Warren about that. And Warren said he thinks he just missed the note about how it was supposed to be funny. Oh, that's funny. He thinks he was just told, we want a one minute song from everybody. And that was it. He he somehow missed the note of it was supposed to be funny. And it actually... We have a surprise coming up in a little bit, but the first version of this song, fall, he, he heard the minute part. The first version of this song was a minute long. Okay. And then it was flushed out further 
because Tyson said, I actually really like this song. Let's flesh this out further than the one minute assignment that originally was given. Yeah, nice. I, I love that because I, this song rocks. I used to listen to Bird and the B-Sides all the time when it came out, but I never dove too far into any of the, the song lyrics or meanings. So I liked this song. I love the music, but now that I've take really taken like a deep dive into this song, I really, really like it. And I think it's probably one of the best Christian songs out there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally, I could totally agree with that. Definitely um, from a lyrical standpoint and a music standpoint. Right. But yeah. <laughs> and I guess it, it kind of also goes along with this like um, other thing that I, I think of when we talked about The Lining of Silver also on this album how that to me was such a big turning point song whether or not it was actually factually this way in Tyson's mind and heart but when you look at early Reliant K albums and you see the songs that feel judgy of sin and judgy of the people who are committing what are seen as sin right then I hear the lining is silver and I'm like this feels like a turning point from that point of view of like let's judge Vanessa and Justin for their sins. Yeah, exactly. And it's, then, it's not like judgy, but it is like a, here's what we should be doing. It's like actually, because kind of yeah. yeah. my interpretation of the lining of silver is we're the lining of silver. We're people, whether or not this is it, because the lyrics in Burden the Beast, National Tennessee P are at times abstract. My interpretation was that the people are the lining and they're the lining that's silver. There's lining... There's a lining of silver in us. Right. And we're always to be forgiven and we're always to not fret about letting down God because he always loves us. So then this song theologically kind of goes right with that of this like mature theological version of Reliant K where it's like we're not judging everyone based on their sin anymore at this point. (laughs) Like we're going to look at people and say we're all... We all have dignity. We're all worthy of of dignity, and we're all worthy of pride in a good in a pride in a good way. And we're all worthy of forgiveness and the good things that come from Christ when we believe in Him. And then, from my vague universalist point of view, recently, it's like, well, everybody feels, and everybody does. Everybody does deserve dignity. Everybody does deserve salvation, and to feel like they're not less than the next person down. Yeah, I just love this song. I hold it right up there with, like, God off of air for free. Like, I just think that it's really beautiful and very poignant and well-written. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other thing I asked Warren was if if this was anything that was maybe left over from Ace Troubleshooter, and it wasn't. And I feel like not only have I always wondered that, but I feel like a lot of fans have probably wondered that. If this was, like, an Ace Troubleshooter song, or at the very least, if Elements of this exact existed from the Ace Troubleshooter days. And from what Warren tells, told me on DM is no, that he, he took the assignment and he went and he wrote this song specifically off of these books that he had just been reading. So that was actually a, another pod mystery answered. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> and so I said like, so the, so you would consider this a Reliant K song. Plus there's all the discussions about Canon. What is the Reliant K Canon? And we've had this discussion with Josh when I was on Reliable J and what's canon but to me this is this is a canon reliant k song the fact that it's written by a different member of the band absolutely doesn't matter but if anyone would argue with me on that at least that fact now i have i'm armed with to say well this was written specifically for reliant k um i also 
asked because like after Magnified Pod did their Ace Troubleshooter s- series, they had talked to him offline as well, off the podcast as well, and they asked him what well, like, what would Ace Troubleshooter have been like down the line if they had, if it was still together and how this song probably is approximate to that. So I asked him to expound on that. And he basically said, like, he was the main songwriter of Ace Troubleshooter. So if Ace Troubleshooter had stayed together, of course, this is what it would basically sound like, because this is where John Warren's... Was going, yeah. Where he was going. Yeah. Unless you want to get into deep time travel, butterfly effect stuff and say, (laughs) well, without the Reliant K (laughs) aspect of his life, maybe this specific (laughs) chord isn't something he would use. No. Yeah, going back to Reliant K canon, uh, this song feels way more Reliant K canon than we're banging after church while the kid's in the other room. Like, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Um. So that's so. There's only one other thing that's important for us to to go over, and I guess we'll just should we do it now or should we do it after the break? I got more to think. I got more to say about this song overall. Let's do it. So let's do it. So John Warren sent us the one minute demo from the song. Oh, and that was before I get to this. That was another interesting bit of information. Is that the only people performing on this studio track? Apparently, it's just Ethan and Warren. Oh, okay, cool. That's what he said to me. So I'm get so from that, I'm, it seems like Warren did the guitars and the bass and everything. And then I suppose because it's Tyson singing towards the end of the song, I didn't ask for for because sure. uh, it seems seems pretty obvious they must have dubbed some of Tyson's extra vocals yeah. in later. I didn't ask for him to elaborate. I was like, well, you said it was <laughs> just you and Ethan. <laughs> But it's clearly Tyson on the track. Well, here is the demo from Last the Lost the Least, the one when it originally followed the one minute assignment. Or did he mean that the demo is just he and Ethan, and then they went back and recorded it with the full band? Well, now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there was talk in front of, there was talk on Twitter live as well, because I had DM'd Warren originally a couple weeks a week or two ago and he didn't see it and I assumed because it was probably behind like requested DMs so then I hit him up publicly and he replied to me on DMs meanwhile that triggered a whole conversation I actually invoked Daniel to ask if he had any specific musical questions so I can double check and that's where we got the information about how it's just Warren and Ethan on the track so if it's just if he meant just the demo or he meant the album I'll look into that but here is um, John Warren's demo, which definitely is only Warren and Ethan, I would assume, <laughs> from this song. Oh, 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 oh,
What do you think? That's Jessica's oh, first time hearing it. I love that. <laughs> I yeah, this should be out there. This is so good. That, well, I guess it is now. I love that little slide we got in the permission beginning to play it. of the demo. Like, does that carry over? If so, yeah, it's not, as now I'm not sure. And then, oh, that was so good. And then there was that other little part. <laughs> it was like, ooh. So there is that that there is that bass yeah, slide. Yeah, I in love there. that. I kind of didn't notice the the organ is way more prominent in the demo and just made me notice it more. And it makes me think of the 10th anniversary Sadie Hawkins dance and how that organ, that one organ right. note just makes me uneasy <laughs> the whole time. But at least this <laughs> organ note is is constantly changing. That very beginning is so like, it's, it's, it's a little Ramones core. <laughs> it is, yeah. And Jessica did a thing during this part. Jessica went, ooh. <laughs> Which we would have lost. It's so edit, 80s. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so it's great. And you can you can you can literally hear where the song was expanded because you're expecting certain lyrics to come right. in and it just skips to the next part. It's almost like have you seen those uh, memes on YouTube where it's like an AI turns uh, you know, like Californication by I just picked some random song. But it'll take Californication and it'll be like we turned it into an eight minute song. Right. Because the AI will fill in extra choruses and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of time it's garbage. It's like mumbled weird garbage that doesn't sound it just kind of vaguely keeps the tone of the song. But then there's this other AI thing that literally made a new Nirvana song. Like they plugged all the Nirvana music into right. an AI and it created what actually sounds like it yeah. might not actually sound like nirvana but it sounds like one of the best nirvana based bands of all time <laughs> as as a very very casual not even casual just like acquaintance you've met twice nirvana listener i must say i thought it was like a real nirvana song right. i didn't know <laughs> so hearing this version of the song just makes me think like how you can hear all those little moments that are kind of expanded um it's amazing i'm really glad that he sent us this it's so cool um yeah, that's amazing. So I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to say. I feel like I still have a lot more to say about the message of this song that we didn't really touch on yet. But um, because I didn't have time, we'll go to our break. We have a new ad uh, exchange this week from another podcast. Our friends Ooh. at Zeitgeist Lab Pods. Oh, them. <laughs> We've exchanged an ad with them. <laughs> And you can hear their their religiously respectful ad coming up after our ad read. <laughs> we want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Tee Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our Little Sheet Boy ice cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. 
And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash shadyhawkinspod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include Daniel, Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive regard. What's up, listeners of Sadie Hawkins Pod? I hope you're having a blessed day and enjoying the hot takes from Danny and Jessica. Uh, Brian, do you mind if I say something? Go ahead, for you are a valiant man and bring good news. Thanks, man. Hey, I just wanted to remind everyone of my favorite scripture, Fentuzler 316. For the Zeitgeist Lab Pods so love their fellow man that they proselytize their only begotten opinions about community and drive through records into the world. A very blessed scripture. Of course. And everyone listening to the Sadie Hawkins pod can check out the Zeitgeist Lab Collections pod first two seasons, wherever fine podcasts are found. That's right. And we'll be back with Collection 3 soon. Again, that's Zeitgeist Lab Collections podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else fine podcasts are found. We, of course, have song meanings this week. This one from Jay Warren. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Av A C H A I S E on July sixteenth, two thousand eight. Said no comments? Question mark. This song is amazing. I'm not too sure about this one, but to me, it means that no matter who you are or who you thunk you are, you are not above or below helping those in need in the name of God. And I'm not a huge Christian, but I agree with that. If that's what it they are even trying to say. His image shown, we give our lives, our time, our own to feed, to clothe those in his image we have left alone pretty much saying that everyone was created in the image of God himself. And when we help those in need, we reflect that image. But when we choose not to do anything for those people, we are living alone, people in his image. Just a thought, smiley face. Yes, I know what they're going for. And yes, I agree. (laughs) Arrow to the right, arrow to the right, AMD (laughs) MB91. On July 19th, 2008, commented, I love this song, but that's not saying much since I love the whole album, smiley face. I guess I don't really, and that's a big toothy grin, smiley face. I guess I don't really know what this song means either. I agree with Ava Chase, I guess. I also think it means that no matter what you lose, you always have your dignity, whether you're strong, weak, rich, or poor. Therefore, since we're all the same, why shouldn't we help those less fortunate? Again, well said. Captain Reaction on, is that no reaction? Captain No Reaction on August 5th, 2008 commented, this is the best one on the new one. The vocals are so great. And I love the chorus. How he's dig- how he says dignity. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it Ava- is great. It is. <laughs> Ava- dignity. I can't do Oh, it. maybe Ave. It's a capital A underscore V, capital A. Is that like Angels and Airwaves, maybe? Uh, Chase is on the money. 
Well, now we're getting too close to the John Warren looks like Tom DeLonge Uh-oh. debate. <laughs> well, let's steer away from Which he has talked that. about publicly. Well, he's, no, he's talked about it publicly on Twitter. He told a story on Twitter one time about how he w- Reliant K was at a festival with angels and airwaves and people were coming up to him thinking he was Tom DeLonge. One time I went... <laughs> That's funny. When Blink-155 was trying really hard in their waning days to get Tom DeLonge on the show, I went to the Blink-155 Facebook group and I was like, guys, just get this guy. <laughs> I loved a picture of John Warren. <laughs> and then everyone was like... And everyone who like did not know Reliant K or Ace Troubleshooter on the Blink-55 Facebook group was like, but... That's t- I looked for the most Tom DeLonge possible picture sure. of John Warren, uh-huh. and everyone was like, "But that's just Tom DeLonge." <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> um, so we have we have a comment here with some with a bunch of of uh, Bible quotes uh, sourced. Do you want to hear that one, or do you want to hear? This one that does not have the Bible quote sourced for I our last one. I kind of want to hear the one. We can't do both because I kind of want we, the one we can with the do Bible both. first. All right. <laughs> Coda underscore Coda 777 on September 19th, 2018 said, so we're shooting, we're shooting forward like 10 years here. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What? What is this? <laughs> See, this is why I don't like going for the ones with the with the <laughs> sources. 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. 43, I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. 44, then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you. 45. Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, right. you did not do it to me. Right. 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous think, into I eternal life. I do think this life. is perfect to follow up our new Zeitgeist Lab read. <laughs> This is what this song reminds me of, especially when he says his image shown. When we give our lives, our time, our own to feed, to clothe, those in his image we have left alone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's very nice. That's lovely and very well. Yes. It also reminds me of... It's not like some song meanings where we, we get into Bible quotes and you're like, how did you pull this out of that? It's like right. this actually does tie back. It's just they started a little sooner than than I maybe would have thought they would have. But yeah. It also reminds me of... Um, what's this song called? I gotta look it up. Is it called... The Last, The Lost, The Least? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the Brave St. Saturn song, Under Bridges, I think. You tell me. <laughs> that, that car that agreed like, with you. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that was it. Um, where that's also a song about the least of these. Like, the I haven't heard that song in so long, and probably the last time I really heard it was on Magnified Pod of all things. It was like, it, but it's like a Brave Saint Saturn song, you know, Reese Roper's side project, and it's talking about. It's basically another song about the least of these, and there's a specific line in there 
where it's like talking about this homeless person this well now unhoused person this unhoused person who is like dying of aids and how it's jesus christ but it's meaning like the least of these like when you see someone who is in need you should go to them and help them because that's what jesus would do and because man i am struggling on this one (laughs) welcome to the christian guilt podcast (laughs) yeah no, no, I, I, I get it. And it is yeah. it is very true. And I do. I really I love the message of this. And I'll have to go listen to that song as well. Uh, so the other one that you also wanted to hear was Caleb J. 93 on August 12th, 2011 said, I don't think it's saying that anyone who knows God can wear dignity. But the last, the lost, the least of these is referring to, well, the last, the lost, the least kind of self-explanatory really those who find themselves pushed aside and ignored despite their very real needs be it spiritual needs or those of the material sort i think this the song is about pouring yourself out so that those who are broken may become whole in this god is uh revel read or maybe it's revealed but spelled wrong i'm not really sure uh because this is what god looks like we are all made in god's image and for this reason god views us all as equal and desires we we live as such my probably wrong interpretation no i think that's really well put again i also just started wondering if um there's anyone who interprets this song as like the last the lost the least are like the unsaved which I don't think that's the interpretation to take away from this. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I don't, I, I agree the last with that. and the yeah. lost and the least are the people who don't have Christ. Help those who need it most. Yeah, because like, yeah. plenty of people have everything they need in life and they don't have Christ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they could have Christ, but a lot of people have Christ and they don't have anything. And it's like this idea that, like, well, if you don't, ha- it's because you don't have God. It's because you don't. It's because you don't believe strong enough. You don't have Look, your health and your wealth. Uh, my my unpopular by christian standards opinion that i've had literally my entire life even when i was at my most devout is that if you're a good person you're saved you know that's that's it that's you don't see you were way ahead of me on uh, universalism (laughs) well you know it's because i had friends who came from a lot of different cultures we had Mm -hmm. really close friends who were jewish we had really close friends who were muslim so it's like I was getting different sort of uh, spiritual looks at a young age. And so I was just like, look, I don't, I, my God accepts everybody. And that's that. There's an early MXPX song. And this just came to mind called different things on teenage politics. And the lyric is she's been taught so many different things. She doesn't know what she believes. Right. And in hindsight, that is how I feel now. Right. In hindsight, that song is probably about someone who has learned about a lot of different religions and doesn't know which one to believe, which is a totally normal and rational thing for a person to deal with if they've been if they've learned a lot about religions. Like it's easier to have faith when you've only been taught the one faith, you know what I mean? Yeah. But my interpretation when I heard that song in 1996 because I learned about MXPX like the week that life in general came out my interpretation of that song is probably not what was meant nor what most people think is i actually thought about how i'd been to so many different denominations Mm -hmm. and this is not this this is not what i think my career meant 
nor is it, I think, like I said, what most people think of the song. But like, I actually thought, like, I've been taught so many different things at different Christian denominational churches that I don't know what to believe. And this is just me in 1996, much less like after high school and college. And still under that same umbrella of Christianity and right. not even looking outside of that because that's something that, and we, I don't think we really touched on this very much last week when we were talking about schooling, but because you went to Christian schools for, you know, uh, some middle school and high right. school, you had a very different look than I did, whereas I went to non-denominational and non, you know, uh, religious affiliated private schools for middle school and high school. And because of that, like, especially in middle school, there was we had at, at around like the winter holidays, every year we had a thing where we would have, you know, we would talk about what, you know, Muslims believed, we would talk about what Protestants believe, Catholics, Jewish people, even we'd go back to pagan rituals. So it was like we got to learn about all different cultures. And if we had students who practiced any of those things in our school, maybe they would come forward or a parent of theirs would come forward and, you know, give some lectures. We would go over like different like picture books and stuff with that, even though we were a little older than that. It still was, you know, very relatable. And that's something that I really cherish was getting to learn about all sorts of different religions because of that, and it's so interesting to see how, and I still do this in my adult life, where even looking back at different mythologies, you're like, wow, there really is, everybody is kind of on the same general wavelength, regardless of what your general religion is. Like, even like Norse mythology, you can you kind of go back to the same idea, basically. It's almost like there's one benevolent force that loves us, that wants us all to be happy and part of... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that just remi- that actually reminds me of something because I didn't have the chance to really research um, Brian McLaren that much. And I watched this St. Paul's Cathedral hour and a half uh, lecture that he gave and he answered a Q&A for the last 40 minutes. I wish I'd written this down. I should have taken notes. But he said this very profound thing of like Christianity because he talked about the kind of difference between like conservative Christians and liberal Christians and how he went to this special um, summit with like leaders of the Muslim faith meeting, you know, leaders of the Christian faith and different um, scholars and theologians from all kinds of different faiths. And when he was introduced to these Muslim leaders to have a discussion, they introduced him as an evangelical which he got shy about because that's his background, but that's not really what he identifies as now because he's so much more um, forward-thinking than the evangelical thought at this point. So then the Muslim leaders that he's talking to are like, oh, we really like talking to the conservative, hardline Christians. We're kind of a... We're kind of a little... Not distraught, but we're kind of, you know, less invested in talking Mm -hmm. to liberal Christians. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, he's like, well, why is that? He's like, well, we know we always know that the hardline conservative Christians are going to tell us open with you're going to hell. And then they're going to like yell at us or they're going to forcefully tell us what they believe and how it's in conflict with what we believe. And then we get to forcefully tell them what we believe. But the liberal Christians... Don't tell us what they believe. <laughs> and then Brian McLaren. And I I mean, honestly, everyone should just go watch this St. Paul's Cathedral uh, video. 
he then kind of says, like, we've figured out Christians, even the most liberal Christian has kind of figured out this way of a Christian that's maybe not gone the universalist route has figured out how to, like, be tolerant of the someone else's faith, but, but like, not approach them with our faith. But if, like, we could figure out a way to be tolerant, but also, like, be... be open to talking about her faith and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's conflicting with other people's faith. Like that's what Christians haven't figured out. Yeah. And I am butchering the hell out of what he said because <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I thought it was a really nice. Yeah, thing absolutely. That he said. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely those like hardcore sort of, you know, whatever denomination of Christianity they come from folks who are like, no, it's my way or the highway. (laughs) And yeah, so I definitely get where they're coming from. So next up, we have a blog post from about this song from love that dog one, 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 eight. And I, from seven years ago, and I'm pretty sure we've been here before. And now every time we go to an older blog, I think it's going to be Dr. Kate who's called up before. And I'm so nervous. (laughs) Or someone else who listens to the podcast. (laughs) So uh, it says, the last, the last, least. Click here for the previous part of the Chronicle. So I guess this is in a series. Uh, That is where the second factor that cannot be overlooked comes in. Jesus revealed himself to me in ways that others wouldn't understand. And then I'm going to fast forward a little bit to when we get to the song, uh, talking about the song. So it says, one day while in my car, The Last the Lost Lease by Reliant K came on and I knew I had heard it before, but I didn't think it was but I didn't think that it was that I had heard it on my iPad before. Then on a road trip a couple weekends ago, uh, the song plays again and my mom knows it. It is very unlikely that she would have heard it on my iPod before. Anyone know where it comes from? In my effort to find out, I stumbled across some rather unclear information. I am thinking from what I read, it was written by Reliant K's bass player, John Warren. It is released on the Bird and the B-Sides and is not sung by Matt Teeson, the lead singer. I am not certain who the song is written by or who sings it, but that is what I understand from what I've read. Anyway, let's analyze the song itself. I didn't understand the words to the chorus until I just looked them up. We all, we all wear dignity. It covers the strong, the weak. We all, we all wear dignity. Even the last, the lost, the least. But let's not skip ahead. The the first verse is about how those of us who have privileged lives live our lives ignoring the last, the lost, the least. We are able to do this by dulling our conscience with conceit. Conceit, excessive pride in oneself. The second verse, we just live our lives and see the world weighing down on the less privileged without rest or relief. Then comes the chorus, which is about how we are all equals. We all have dignity. Dignity, the state or qualifying of being worthy or honor or respect. Of honor or respect. The more I analyze this song, the more I love it. The next verse is a bit different. I think it is telling us all to take a step back and let go of pride to take a better look at the people around us. Finally, the last verse is a, is the call to action. His image shown when we give our lives, our time, our own, to feed, to clothe, those in his image we have left alone. When we help those who are the last, the lost, the least. 
God's image shines through us. The song ends on a modified chorus. We all, we all wear dignity. God help the blind like me. Finding at last a voice we cry and we see and see with a clear unblinking eye. This is a prayer to open the eyes of the blind that don't see the people in need around them. Not only to open their eyes, but to help them do something about it. This is a very encouraging and touching song that has a great call to action. I think it was all based off Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, I tell you, the thrush, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me. If you aren't familiar with the story, I encourage you to check it out. Pray that God open your eyes to those hurting around you and to what you can do to help. Have a happy week. Nice. It's so funny as they're quoting the lyrics, I'm like playing the song in my head. Like, I know, same. Because <laughs> this is such a, this is such an in the crowd, you know. And they never played this song live. That's a bummer. Which is something that I didn't get back to Daniel's tweets at um, John Warren yet. But this is a song they never played live, and yet it's like an it's it's an in the pit like whoa. <laughs> it's like it's a rousing like gang vocal song for sure next up we have clean next up we have clevescene.com uh support local journalism join the cleveland scene press club so this is music band of the week reliant k the bird and the b-sides this is by eddie fleischer from july 16th 2008 Canton's Christian pop punks, Reliant K, have been making (laughs) records for 10 years. For their sixth album... Two of them were from Canton at this point. (laughs) They gather a bunch of their leftovers, B-sides, and rarities, and add some new tunes to the mix. Most of the new songs, Danny, were all from Canton at this point. Most, <laughs> most we're, all, new- <laughs> we're all from Canton, yeah. Most of the new songs take the band beyond its usual crunchy guitar pop. The Last, The Lost, The Least is an exception, and it's a keeper. Cuts like the somber... Cuts like the somber, There Was No Thief, and The Southern Fried, You'll Always Be My Friend, reveal a whole new palette of sounds. The Bird and the B-Sides not only celebrates a decade of Reliant K, it points to a bright new future for the group as well. It said tags underneath, but I thought it said tacos, and I was like, ooh, tacos sound <laughs> Now good. I want tacos. <laughs> we had breakfast burritos this morning, and now I want tacos. We also have, and I don't know if I've done this one before. I'm, I know we've been to Sputnik Music, but I don't know if we've done the Sputnik Music review of this album previously. Okay. <laughs> so they give it a 3.0, which means good. So this is from review by January's Ginger. It's a sick name from July 5th, 2013. Review summary. Not bad, but certainly not great. Oh, wow. Okay. Too many tracks are kept under three minutes and a lot under two. That could have been so much more. Definitely listen to The Last, The Lost, The Least, slash There Was Another Time in My Life. Best tracks off the album. Most people don't realize that the Nashville Tennis EP is actually the first 13 tracks off the Bird and the B-Sides. Considering... That's right. We talk about that every time. <laughs> yes. Except this week. Considering it... Well, now we have. Now we have. Considering it was only released on one disc. I get the, that, though. And it looks like the, with those puns <laughs> for titles, we're back to old, fun-loving, pop-punk, reliant K. Well, no. Okay. 
We're all over the place here. Remember that Mandela effect thing we had early in the podcast where we were like, yeah, Bird and the B-Sides, the two-disc CD, the two-disc album. That was you. Oh, it wasn't me. (laughs) Wait, no, I take it back. That might have been me. (laughs) It might have been both of us. Yeah. One of us, like, perpetuated the idea, and the other one was like, yeah, and just ran with it. So I think it was you, though. Um, Yeah. So they know that this is like some new stuff and a b-side collection and yet they're kind of like not happy that most of the tracks are kept under three minutes which i find interesting like you do realize you're getting a lot of like demos and things like that right you know the cd is literally packed it's 75 minutes a cd can only be 75 minutes and you're getting a 75 minute cd it's not like you go and you buy like an actual ep and it's 20 minutes and they left 50 minutes of possible cd burning left on the disc the Nashville Tennessee P is pretty diverse. The Nashville Tennessee P is a pretty diverse album when it's it comes to the album. music. It's a country album, according to Google Play. <laughs> you have ska, no reaction, and country, be your man. Roots that give you a fresh take on Reliant K. The best thing off this album is it's not the, the best, best thing. thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> though, is the fact that you get to hear the other four band members take the helm on lead vocals sure x drummer dave douglas and even guitarist matt hoops have done co-leads with matt teason before but now you get to hear the other band members talents the album starts well, with a cool banjo to be fair you could hear john warren's talents for years before this sure you know what i mean like yeah yes, yeah ethan has been in a billion bands right. and sung here and there and now he has his solo his solo reggae albums but John Warren's the one that you, this is not the first time you get to hear his talents. Yeah. So I'm going to butcher this word because I'm not a music person. A pregio, a prego, a cool banjo, a pregio, <laughs> which lets you reminisce that the banjo. Daniel, call it. <laughs> <laughs> that banjo solo in which to bury off of. Mm-hmm. Immediately, though, it explodes into an up into upbeat snare hits and loud guitars with lyrics about how someone doesn't know how to face up to their own problems. The song is a pretty fun song to hear with some nice woes in the background towards the end. And I just did that like we were talking about the last, the lost, the least, but we're not. We're talking <laughs> about. something else (laughs) Uh, then we're led to the scene and heard which is about Reliant K's lineup change with newest drummer Ethan Luck and the state of music as a whole the bass line on this song in the verse I was just like have we done the scene and heard we did the scene and heard we had Dermot the Buffalo on that episode Oh, Jessica, that's right. It's one of the few times. It's one of the two times we had a member of Reliant K on the episode. Facts. But is the song about? I don't remember that episode anymore. It was so. definitely about music as a whole, but I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe there was a specific reference. It's like the to person who was like college kids is about keeping your Christianity in college. I was like, is it? The baseline on this song in the verses is my favorite, probably my favorite, of all Reliant K, of all the Reliant K discography, beating that of Hello McFly. I'm mixed on the song, though, because it just feels sort of forced and awkward compared to other songs they've come out with in general. I'm not sure if it's just me that thinks that, but hey, it is what it is. 
at least we made it this far, starts off with the corniest lyrics of this album. (laughs) I'm so tired of the phone, baby. I don't like the tone, the way we say I love you. This song also has mixed feelings because the lyrics aren't memorable enough. What are you talking about? (laughs) But I totally dig the music for some reason. Oh my gosh. I just, we already did that song, right? We already did that song. I just realized... The double, the teeth and double meaning of the, I'm so tired of the tone. You only just realized The tone that? of her voice That's and the tone of the phone. That's classic That's classic I don't know if we discussed play. that in the episode, but I just caught that. Oh, MG. <laughs> For some reason, this record just has an acoustic feel to it. At least we made it this far. It has a pretty chill drum beat with some acoustic piano, guitar, and I'm pretty sure a mandolin thrown in. It's good, but just not catchy like other songs in their catalog. Finally, we get to hear John Warren, bassist, take over lead vocals. The last, the lost, at least, might as well be the best song on Nashville Tennis because of its sweet guitar melody, and it even goes back to Reliant K's Days of Christian Inspiration. Goes back to... (laughs) But it's nice for a change of topic for this album. Did I mention John's vocals? They have a faint sound of Mark Hoppus that creates a different tone because of the edginess in his voice. <laughs> Is that voice. the first time that, that Warren has been compared to Mark Hoppus specifically? I as don't, opposed to the other I don't guy? No. <laughs> Great vocals plus cool edgy pop <laughs> By punch which, of equals, course, I mean Matt Skiba. <laughs> of course. Equals one of the best Reliant K songs ever written. The other members do a pretty good job, although every song... One of them sings is pretty short. Yes, that was the assignment. Ethan Lux, drummer, no reaction. Matt Hoops' You'll Always Be My Best Friend. And John Schneck's guitar slash banjo slash bells, Be Your Man, all clock in at under two minutes. Each one is so different from the others with the ska-esque guitars of no reaction versus the acoustic pop feel of You'll Always Be My, in caps, best friend. And the closing track, Be Your Man's Country Sound. Be Your Man sort of returns to the jokes of Reliant K's past but falls flat while John talks about how freedom and Taco Bell make America No, that's Ethan. That's Ethan doing that part. (laughs) It just isn't very entertaining to listen to since most of the song... What? It's so entertaining. Most of the song is stereotypical country with John speaking over it, except for the end where you have some weird squeaky vocals talking about what you'll hear on Bird and the (laughs) B-Sides. Uh, there's so much more, and it's just about the second the second part of the album. So I'm going to to skip this. If you want to read the rest of this, <laughs> go over would. to Sputnik Music for Reliant yes, K National Tennessee. Yes, go to Tennessee. Sputnik Music <laughs> to hear my confused takes. <laughs> Who is John? Is John singing every song? I don't know. <laughs> and finally, we have a homeless Jesus statue with a similar name. Oh, okay. The meaning behind well, the title... Well, that ties perfectly into Under Bridges by Brave St. Saturn. The meaning behind the title, The Last, The Least, and The Lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I was wondering... I wasn't sure if... in. Sorry, to sidebar from this. Every time you type in last, lost, least, you get... What is it? What's the, what's the other order? Lost. The, the last, the least, and the lost. Right, you get it in that order. Like, it doesn't... If I if I did it on DuckDuckGo, which doesn't know I search about Reliant K all the time, it would give me that order, which apparently is the more common 
order of those three words when you're simply talking about theology. But then I completely forgot to mention this. I would assume it's like a syllabic musical cadence thing that John Warren had to maybe reorder those three words. Unless the 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 new kind of Christian book ordered it like that. I'm not sure. That's another question I could have asked John Warren if he remembered from more than 10 years ago. So this article is on Medium from March 15th, 2018 by Laura Bianca Pruitt. At the very top here, we have a picture of the statue. Uh, Homeless Jesus statue, source, sculptor, Timothy P. Schmaltz. And it's a picture of a bench with a person covered up by a sheet with their feet exposed. As I was researching local and regional news articles about the unsheltered homeless, I stumbled upon a few articles from December 2016 about Pata... Pisco United Methodist Church. This small church in Dundalk, Baltimore County, made the news because they were being fined for allowing homeless people to sleep on their grounds at night. We interviewed the Reverend Katie Grover defending this policy. Ah, twenty eighteen. Okay, because that's pretty recent. Because you know, here in Los Angeles, they just outlawed camping. Right. To get Which, homeless people off the streets. Where are they going to go? The, yeah. Unhouse people uh, off the streets. Where are they going to go? It's a whole Camping thing. is it, illegal? Is yeah. that really? It's like the most overkill solution. And the Veterans Administration, like, gives them tents, lets them set up right outside of there. I don't know if they're going to still allow them to camp on their property or just off their property. I don't know what's going, going on with that. But, yeah, it's it's a whole unfortunate thing here. Um, we interviewed Reverend Katie Grover defend. When interviewed, Reverend Katie Grover defended this policy because by allowing the homeless onto church grounds, she's merely carrying out her duty to care from the last, the least, and the lost, as Jesus commanded. Mm-hmm. The last, the least, and the lost is an, is an amalgam of three verses in the book of Matthew in the New Testament of the Bible. The last, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. Matthew twenty sixteen NIV. The least... The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Matthew 2540 NIV. The lost for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Matthew 1811 NIV. When I started researching and writing on unsheltered homelessness, I was looking strictly for secular humanitarian solutions since I was trying to give recommendations for city planners and officials. Little did I realize that writing this paper would become a holy religious experience where in my quest to help others, I would act as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to help the last, the least, and the lost. It seems so obvious in hindsight. Jesus, after all, was homeless during the time of his ministry. Foxes have dens and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head matthew 8 20 niv how have i never oh my gosh how have i never heard that correlation until now how you know christ had no place to be born yeah exactly into the how have i never how have i never apparently while he was ministering as well yeah how have i never heard that correlation in a sermon before church agendas 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I take it back, but not really. Rather than spend his time with the wealthy nobility, he spent his time with the last, the least, and the lost of his society, including tax collectors, prostitutes, and the poor. If he were alive today, I have no doubt he would spend much of his time making community and eating meals with Baltimore's unsheltered homeless population. This blog is an opportunity to continue following Jesus' example beyond my thesis slash capstone project. Fortunately, the story of Patapisco United Methodist Church has a happy ending. Baltimore County dropped the $12,000 fine with the agreement that the church would guide its homeless visitors to programs that can help them. They are now working closer with Baltimore County to house the unsheltered. They acknowledge that their work is ongoing, but encourages visitors to support efforts in their own communities. I may be one person, but if I can help at least one person, it is all worth it. And this was actually says it was originally published at lastleastloss.com on August thirtieth, twenty seventeen. So interesting. Interesting that John Warren or Relanke didn't grab that domain first. <laughs> well, but with the words in a different order. Right, 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 right. Get them in every the order. Last, the last, the You know least. about Taylor yeah. Swift? You know about Taylor Swift buying up domains? Did you hear about that? Maybe no, but makes sense. Maybe I feel like they all, ago, everyone do. She does bought it. up every possible. Jessica put her phone down, so I can have a divert. Uh, I can have a, a side now. <laughs> Maybe four or five years ago, Taylor Swift bought up every possible domain name for like a porn Taylor Swift. That's sort just of thing. smart business. It is smart business, it's especially smart for a lady business. who doesn't want her belly button shown. To the world at large. Wait, what? I don't know about this. You know, you don't this. know about this? This is what happens when I Jessica like becomes a Swifty in 2020. <laughs> Everyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that Jessica was con Taylor Swift up until, what's it called? Folklore. Folklore. Folklore and Evermore, man. So good. You don't know about Taylor Swift, like, no. like conspiracy theories. Wow, this is like totally off base of everything what? we've been talking about. But Taylor Swift, you couldn't see her belly button. I feel like there's got to be pictures out there. No. Now, now there are, but up to a point. Okay. So the last, the lost, the least <laughs> refers to trying to find that picture of Taylor Swift's belly button. <laughs> We're way off base now. I feel like there's got to be a dress that shows it or something. I don't know. Apparently I don't read not. Us Weekly. I don't so know. So real quick, I did want to read some of these um, go- uh, Goodreads reviews That's of right. A New Kind of Christian by Brian McLaren. Here's a three-star review. Okay. I made sure to pick some short ones. Here's from 2011. Not sure how I feel about this. I'm really of two minds and hearts. Part of me was impressed with a rational, academic Christian voice in what would appear to be the mainstream, unlike other Christian books I've read. But the other part thinks that it was trite and overly sentimental, and I tried so hard. You're trite and overly sentimental? (laughs) I liked liked Neo's character, and he did seem... (laughs) I guess I gotta read this is book. This, is this based on the is Matrix? This about the Matrix? <laughs> what? I guess it might be like presenting. We didn't. I didn't get to read the book, but I guess there might be like characters presented in the book. Okay. And it did seem to that kind of makes sense, sense for the the time that it's from. Yeah, but I remain skeptical about the entire premise, not only in terms of practicalities, 
but in how this may serve as a false hope for the future? Why would you not want hope for the future? Sir, I think you might have, have responded to the wrong thing. I think you might have reviewed the, the wrong thing. <laughs> Daniel's character was bang on for the typical pastor. Yeah, you Actually, are, he probably had more integrity and understanding than most I've met lumped together. I'm finding it difficult not to let my anger at Christians and negative experiences in the Pentecostal Pentecostal church taint my view of the ideas put forth in this book. Wait, is this a fiction or non-fiction book? Because I thought this was like a, a non-fiction book, I think but it's this a non- sounds like it's a now, fictional book. Now we might have to, maybe this is the next book we read after we finish oh. Complex Infrastructure. <laughs> um. To be fair, though, it does offer an alternative that's an enticing thought. Okay. And then there's one negative review. There's one star review that says, Appalling. Ick. Poo. (laughs) That's the review. So some people are against this and some people are for it. I realize that didn't go much of anywhere, but... um, We're running a little long. We're running long. So we played the demo. And there, unfortunately, aren't any covers of this song really oh, to speak of. Oh, what a bummer. Um, this is such a great song. <laughs> Guys, but, everybody's sleeping on this so song. So we will have to put... Now, we normally don't do guitar covers and drum covers, but we'll play this guitar cover because we don't have any other real covers. Sounds good. So here is a guitar cover by Luis de Guamo. It's L-U-I-S-D-A- G-O-M-O. And this is their guitar cover where they play along with the song. And it did add like a nice tone on top of the existing song. Did I say nice? (laughs) I meant like I actually wrote grungy here. It adds yeah, a grungy yeah, sound. Yeah, definitely. I didn't realize now that I'm actually listening to the song again, although it's in a play along, like how the bass is prominently featured. It's just like, hey, I'm the bassist in the band now. Hell yeah! <laughs> I was rocking so out along with bass. this. So here's my bass. I love gonna, it. We're gonna bring down the guitar Heck and make yeah. sure everybody hears, even though apparently it's Warren doing everything. So that's good. That's a great guitar cover, and we don't get to play those a lot. Um, someone... Give some love to the bassist. <laughs> Travis Barker. Hey, we got to talk about all the classic Wait, Blink Travis members. Barker? Where, well, what? you said give some love to the bassist. It makes me think of give some love to the drummer. I see. The Travis Barker rap album. Did you ever oh, listen to that? Oh, good lord. This. I feel yeah. like that would have been right up your alley is around this, the time is this I met DD you. King? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Dee Dee Ramone's um, <laughs> hip-hop album. <laughs> so unfortunate. 
<laughs> so someone took the track and ran a spleeder through it. Do and, you remember that I had yeah. a poster of Travis Barker up? Yes, in, that's why I'm saying it was in right my up your garage because yeah. I had a townhouse in yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the unfortunate one who had to take all those posters down, and you had like super tackied them onto the wall, so they all got ripped apart. You had like a Sex in the City poster. You had. A, <laughs> You had a um, Napoleon Dynamite poster. Oh, 18 year old Jessica. All the most early 2000s, <laughs> mid 2000s things possible. Yeah, I was. There's a Bam Margera one on there too, because I was. So, and because my parents were still like, they're paying for the townhouse. So they're like, don't like goofy up the townhouse. Like, keep it nice inside. So, like, in the garage, I got to put up all of my posters and see them on my way to and from school. And so I had my Bam Margera and my Travis Barker, for sure, who I was, both of whom I was super in love with at the time. I felt bad taking those down when we moved out of it. Because eventually, because, <laughs> like, you go to you go to college, just a fresh-faced little college girl, like, ah, I love Travis Barker and Bam Margera. <laughs> and you didn't know that this guy across the table from you was going to tie you down. And then, like, three years later, we're moving out of that townhouse, and I'm the one taking those posters down, and I'm like... <laughs> nice try, Travis Barker, but I got her. <laughs> and let me tell you, if if Danny looks like anybody, it's the love child of Bam Marger and Travis Barker. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so here's the last, the lost, the least, uploaded by collapsible underscore lung of all things Whoa. ten years ago, where they just ran the song through a spleeter. So it kind of this like... is Josh from Reliable J. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but they just ran, this, ran the song through a spleeter so that it kind of removes as much as is possible the vocals, and they called it an instrumental. So the, the advantage of hearing a spleetered track is that you at least get to hear it's it's they call it an instrumental. It's not. It's yeah. like this track that's been processed in a certain way. Right. But at least you, you get still to get hear, those vocals in there a little bit. You get bit. the vocals back there, but you get to hear some guitar work yeah. that you don't normally get to hear. So let's hear some of this. I've tried to process songs this way right. to make my own vaporwave music, and it's never it just never quite <laughs> right. works out. And because I'm a perfectionist, I'm always like, nope, not good enough. <laughs> See the gang. It's not gang vocals, but just hearing what I guess. I actually can't tell who the background vocals are. Is that Warren doubling for himself, or is that? That's kind of what it sounds like to me. I'm confused because the artwork for this YouTube upload shows Dave. Oh, son of a gun! Well, it showed (laughs) Dave, but we know it was Ethan, so it could have been. Don't give Disney any free advertisements on here, Danny. And we didn't talk about, but it, how do you feel about, like, the way Tyson kind of comes in at the end? Sure, it's, it's cool, nice. right? Yeah, it's, it's nice. cool, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hear how that sounds on Spleeter. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> 
sound good. <laughs> Can't tell. There's nothing special going on there. So uh, because there's no covers, unfortunately, I went ahead and I made a Nightcore for this. Nice. So here is the uploaded by Sadie Hawkins Pod YouTube. This is the <laughs> last lost, the last, the lost, the least Nightcore. Fantastic! I was playing along. Do you think this is gonna finger get, drums there? You think this is gonna get five million views? Heck like yeah! The nightcore of <laughs> the, it sounds even reform. more nightcore, like they're saying reform. demons or like something there about. <laughs> It's like, it's all of a sudden, hearing it in Nightcore, it's like Dragon Force. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear the Tyson part in it's Nightcore. good stuff. It totally just sounds like Tyson. <laughs> Even sped up. You did a very good job with your with your uh, like scientifically figuring out the speeds of the proper nightcore. Dan. Yeah, when I make a nightcore, I listen to it <laughs> at every five percent increase until I find the one that just feels best, and then I kind of will move around at one or two or three percent around there just to double check. So I also uploaded the song backwards. But just go check it out. Well, go to the Sadie Hawkins oh, Pod wait, YouTube wait, channel. Do you okay. want me to play it? So just in are case? you is this is this because I was like demons? <laughs> I have questions. Oh goodness gracious, why? <laughs> There's just no covers, so we gotta hear some alternate versions of the song. What if instead of like a demonic statement? If you play like Reliant K and like the last Velocities backwards, you get like a pro Jesus statement instead. Moms were never upset that their kids were playing their records backwards and hearing like nice positive religious statements. Right. No one was listening to Striper or yeah, Blood right? Good and thinking like, oh, this played backwards tells you to stay in school and follow the Ten Commandments. <laughs> When I uploaded this, I did call it the least, the lost, the last. <laughs> nice. Then you definitely have something to say about this, right? Who's Ron Francis? Because getting into fan stuff 11 years ago, 
Go A Can Cons eight seven uploaded a Ron Francis highlights reel, who is a hockey player for some team. Oh, Jessica knows hockey. I don't know hockey. Who's that? Ron oh, Francis. This is somebody on the Hartford Whalers. <laughs> I at, the Hartford Whalers have not been a franchise for quite some time. <laughs> well, were they a franchise eleven years ago, or is this even oh. older? Are the, is the video from this even older than that? I can't remember when they moved. I think all oh, hockey fans are going to come at me if I'm wrong. I think they're the Her- Carolina Hurricanes now. You're the you're the resident hockey fan. I of know. This yeah. So it's just like hockey highlights from this one nice. player. I love of the it. What team? Of the uh, Hartford Whalers. That okay. was the 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 team in Connecticut. Apparently, their stadium was in a mall. Which is, like, so bizarre and unheard of and, like, maybe added to why their ticket sales weren't great, but... you think their ticket sales would be great because people were like, hey, we go to the mall. Yeah, good we buy some game. records of Sam Goodies. <laughs> we go to one of the, whatever clothing stores aren't around anymore. We go to Caldor. And then we go and we watch some Sh- Whalers sure. games. Yeah. Kind of unfortunate they don't have a team anymore. But, yeah, great jerseys. Um... And then we have two. We have three anime music videos: two Kingdom Hearts and one from a show called Tales of the Abyss. I'm now questioning myself. I'm like, is it Carolina or Columbus? Like, oh wow, nice. I love it. So dramatic. This is a very anime song. I gotta let. I gotta tell John Warren. Like, you wrote a very anime song. Yeah, this is does... the only one because, like, this absolutely could go for more because they just showed the guy with his like long hair flowing, and I'm like, you know what? This absolutely fits. What a mood. I mean, my nightcore notwithstanding, this is. This feels like one of the most, other than Devastation Reform nightcore. This feels like one of the most anime songs that Relenke ever wrote. Well, I would like, I would for one like to congratulate John Warren on writing the most anime song. I love it. Of Reliant K's entire discography. Um, no Invader Zim, no Transformers this week, no Supergirl, nothing like that. Folks, get out there, do covers of The Last, The Lost, The Least. This, yeah. Oh, this I, song is so good. This song's so good, and there should be way more covers. I was going to say it's the last, the lost, the least of covers, but that's not true. There were no covers of a couple Air for Free songs. At least there was a bass, at least there was a guitar cover of this song. I wish this was a main album song. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So, Jessica, having said that, how do you feel about this song? Do you like it the same, less, or more than before we decided to do this this week? More, 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 more. So much more. And I think I like it more as well, but probably also edging towards same because I always loved this song. But we'll see how this compares because we're keeping this trilogy going. Last week, we did Failure to Excommunicate, which is a song sung by Dave Douglas, which is about social justice. Then we sang, then we did a, then we sang, then we did a song, Last the Lost the Least, which is sung by John Warren, which is also sort of about social justice and caring for people. Next week, the natural progression of that trilogy, the Charles in Charge theme song, <laughs> where Jesus goes to a pizza party 
and introduces some dudes to the girls from Baywatch. And on his show. And on his show. Jesus' show. The 700 Club. 